Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. then we are back our number two on a wednesday morning here on sound off and as we always do it's the last wednesday of the month and it is time for let the sawdust fly with peter woods and his guests and let me just say this peter i love the fact that you are having as your guest this morning the guys from north star pellet uh pete marty and dave uh they've been on with us before but evidently, there's been some uh, f- some progress being made with the pallet business uh, because of the fact when they were on our show last time. And maybe you want to talk about what's going on and, and reintroduce your guest, Peter Wood. Well, first yeah. of all, let me say this. Let me say this to you, Peter Wood. Happy New Year. Uh, may the New Year bring much, much more and enjoyable times than 2020 did for all of us. <laughs> Well, thank you, Brad. Uh, I, I hope it is a little bit better for everybody out there. It's been a little bit of a struggle for, I think, a lot of struggle for some people and a lot of struggle for others, and it's been quite the ordeal to what has gone on. But having said that, uh, Merry Christmas to you, Brad and Kenny and the folks thank out there. You. Happy New Year to everyone. Now, uh, we got the folks back from Bemidji, Minnesota area. The, we had them back in, uh, I think it was April. They came in and talked about North Star Pellets and the situation there and how it's it has advanced quite a bit, and I wanted to get them back on here to talk about a real positive thing that could be happening for the timber industry, and, and it could be rippled across the whole upper Midwest with what's going on here, and, and it'd be great to talk about that. One thing real quick, Brad, a little game out there folks play. Uh, if they can guess the logging job site where I'm at, the closest town, I'll send them a couple of free T-shirts if they want to email Brad or if their guesses, and whoever gets it, I'll send them two free T-shirts if they can guess where I'm cutting right now. Okay, so okay, now give me the question again, Pete. I was I was doing two other things at the same time. So if, if anybody, okay if, okay, if anybody out there listening can guess where my logging job site is at right now, I'll send them okay. two free T-shirts. But they got to email it to you in the show, and then if you if you get it right, then I will uh, I'll get the information from you. And we'll, as long as we can mail it to the folks out there, okay? Can Can I just ask one question on it? You can try. It, is it is it but is it between Meadowlands and Highway fifty three? Brad, you're not supposed to I guess. Brad <laughs> Well, I'm just, I'm just I was just gonna make a guess. I don't know. Well, I, I guess Pete didn't put in the disclaimer. You're not eligible to guess. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, we're, we're, I gotta get to the show here. I'm gonna screw it up for these guys. But anyway, All right, let's go. Let's go. Anyway, we got Pete Abbey, Marty Goulet, and Dave Hingle from Bemidji. And are you guys there? Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Hey, good morning. Uh, Marty and I are, are sitting on the shores of beautiful Lake Bemidji, and Mr. Hengel is calling somewhere from Florida for some reason. But uh, with the technology, <laughs> we're actually talking to you from a cell phone. Uh, oh, outstanding. So, so you give us a little update on what's been going on over there, Pete, on the pellet project and what could be done at St. Paul and that, so we can let the folks out there list, listening to understand a little bit more how you guys have made some pretty big strides here. Sure. Uh, before I, I jump in, Peter, I want to thank you and Brad for hosting our group today and for your standing commitment and advocacy for forestry in the region of Minnesota. 
and the opportunity to talk about a tremendous opportunity for forestry. Uh, I, I guess as a course of introduction, we'll each introduce ourselves individually. My name is Pete Aubie. I'm a retired forester and forest products manager who worked my entire career in northern Minnesota. I am amazed every time I talk to somebody in the Northland that says, hey, thank you so much for keeping us aware of the logging industry and what an impact it has on on people in the Northland. And this is a perfect example of it. Here you guys uh, have this... Uh, have this business that you would think would be a kind of small potatoes, North Star Pellet, that's actually growing by leaps and bounds. So talk a little bit about it. You know, as the world pays more attention to climate change, and, and, and actually in Minnesota, you know, our governor has already highlighted climate change as one of his priorities. Uh, the, addressing climate change has created an emerging markets uh, for the use of wood in uh, substituting coal and and uh, generation of electricity all over the world started in Europe now is over in Asia and so it is an emerging market that's growing by an incredible size and presents an opportunity um, for Minnesota and uh, other states have uh, started we've got a, a robust pellet industry in the southeast and the Canadians have have uh, adapted their industry to making pellets, uh, putting pellet plants next to their sawmills, and uh, with the reduction in the, in the pulp and paper markets for residuals. So it is it is truly, as we talk about climate change and, and mitigating the threat, forests have a, a very special role. And, of course, in, in, in Minnesota, we have 17 million acres of forest, and the interesting thing about that, Brad and, and Peter, and probably know Peter, is, is five, their own, the majority of the forest is, is owned by five million people in Minnesota. Uh, the, the majority of the forest, 53%, or seven million acres, are, are managed by the state of Minnesota and, and county governments held in trust. So that yes. with combined acreage of, of county and state trust lands with the 7 million acres makes Minnesota governor and the legislature the trustees of the forest land, uh, gives them greater responsibility and, and power through forestry than any state excepting Alaska. So, Pete, is this, what, Pete, is this what they commonly refer to as the school trust land where the forest yeah. helped? Uh, subsidize the school school industry. Yes, yeah, so half of the state forest, uh, the DNR managed forest land, two, about two and a half million acres of that is school trust, and okay. the revenues from those from those lands go directly to every school district in the state. And Excellent. and of course, with with the drop off um, in in. Um, Markets, the the revenues coming off those lands are being impacted. So anything we can do, and and I guess my point in in, in bringing up the, the the large acreages owned by us, the public, is the need to leverage this asset to create something with it, to manage it, to keep it healthy, to bring resilience uh, and and economic, social and and environmental 
positive benefits from forestry. And, and we're capable sure. of doing that because we're, we're known across the nation as a sustainable forestry leader. And, and uh, we do things right here. So we are capable of, of uh, regrowing this industry. Uh, we've lost a number of mills. At, at one time, we were uh, four and a half million cords, and now we're down to 2.2. And, and uh, lost mills across every sector, pulp mills, sawmills, cord plants. We've lost energy sure. facilities, three or four of them. And the biggest problem for landowners, loggers, and, and sawmills are lack of markets. And we have the wood. So it's, it's a real opportunity to tap into uh, to the emerging markets and wood pellets across the, across the globe and potentially domestically at some point in time to benefit our forests. And, and the, the real important thing about this is, is the opportunity that diversity offers that uh, this is a a different market. Uh, It can utilize woods that are not demanded by our existing industry. It can utilize some of the species that are in uh, sustaining health problems, like our black ash, which is being attacked by the emerald ash borer, the tamarack that's getting hit by the sawflies. We do not have uh, markets for those species, and, and they would make tremendous wood pellets. Uh, one of the biggest um, threats to our sawmill industry, I mean, the last thing we want to do is lose another mill and another job in northern Minnesota. Uh, we need to reverse that and grow them. But one of the biggest threats for our sawmills is due to the lack of residual markets, uh, we're building piles. Uh, we're, the sure. sawmills are paying you know, saw log prices, uh, taking the lumber out of the log, and half of what's left is is does not have a home and you you heard matt ryla a few series back talk about a three-year pile uh this is a this is a huge threat to our sawmill sawmilling industry and if we right. could create a pellet plant or two in this state that problem would go away we would turn that waste in into a product and we would and it's a product by the way as we talk about climate and carbon um, this is truly a, a, a renewable product that will can can replace um, coal with with lower emissions. And since it's already been been logged and delivered and processed, much of the carbon has been expended. So when you use yes. residuals to create a renewable wood product, you've already tipped more strongly. To the, to the benefit of carbon. And of course, the sawmills produce lumber, which stores that carbon, uh, you know, for, for years, decades, and even centuries when it comes to homes. And, you know, that's why forests play such an important role in, in, in carbon. And, you know, the, the governor uh, has placed forestry representatives on his, of course, on his sub-cabinet for climate, uh, the commissioner of the DNR, but on the Biofuels uh, Commission, he, we have a representative from Minnesota Forest Industries and, and, and also on the uh, Climate Change Advisory Board. So forestry has a role. It can, it can, uh, it, it can emerge 
uh, as as a climate change green job industry and and help mitigate climate change. Well, we we want to talk. Uh, you know, we want to talk a little bit. We've got to take a break, but when we come back from this break, we want to talk a little bit about what kind of markets have come online that are using your pellets more and more now? Because you guys are taking the wood uh, shavings, saw uh, extra materials that are left over from uh, building things, and you're using them to make a pellet that can generate energy, it can generate electricity. Let's talk a little bit about what kinds of things have opened for markets for your products when we come back. But uh, right now we need to take our first break of, of our number two here on Sound Off and let the sawdust fly. And we'll be right back with more from the guys from, uh, well, the, the owners from North Star Pellet and uh, Peter Woods, of course. We'll be right back. I've been listening to your show on the radio. The best of Sound Off, Sunday mornings, 8.30 to 9. And you seem like a friend to me. Giant Redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing... Sing! Sing! I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesday I'll go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. Yes, Peter Woods, you go to the laboratory out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going like dum 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 dum. Oh man! So Peter Woods, ta- tell us a little bit about what is happening in the pellet industry. Are we seeing more and more people aware now that these pellets can be burned and turned into energy? That's why I wanted the guys on from North Star Pellet because there's a there's a problem coming to the timber industry, and Pete has some numbers on that that. We're losing ground here greatly in Minnesota, and sometimes it'll look like it's not, but these mills that uh, take in the wood, they're still having trouble with their wood residue. That's the wood waste that they can't make their product out of, and so it starts building, building. That's a big expense, and this is one way to hopefully start taking that problem away because otherwise if you can actually run yourself, where you're gonna, if you're going to keep putting up the pile and pile and pile, pretty soon you've got to have somewhere to go, and this is a way that can take a little bit of money but generate a huge amount of money, a huge amount, and it's just unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Pete, could you tell the folks out there, dollar-wise, uh, how much the forest industry was a few years ago? Because we were bigger than mining. I don't know if we are anymore, but the timber industry was bigger than mining, and a lot of people don't understand that. Do you have those facts in front of you there, Pete? Yeah, sure. So I, I, they're, they're hot off the press, Pete. Uh, we, we got a report on, on forestry and agriculture just September 20th of this year. And the uh, the industry produces about 7.3 billion in value, and and employs 68,000 people. 54,000 of those are in the mills and, and the secondary industries. By the way, that stretches uh, well into the metro area. Some of the some of the secondary industries of, of furniture and and windows and and other wood products. Uh, Ford sure. also puts 4.7 billion into household incomes, 
It's it's in our top ten manufacturing industries, and of course, this is half of what these are. These numbers are down from where they were, so it's still significant. The good news yes, it is, is we still have an industry um, where some some states have lost their industry with catastrophic impacts to their forest. We still have an industry, but we definitely need to reverse the trends. And and, yep. uh, and if I can clarify my role on, on with this affiliation with this group, um, since my retirement, I've, I'm on the board of Greater Bemidji, and, and I've, I'm the forest products rep. So one thing that okay. I've been working on, and, and that's the reason for my affiliation with this project, is we've been trying to get a project like this um, for, for 15 years. I mean, this has been a problem that's been coming on, and finally... We, we have an opportunity here, and I'm going to inter- have Marty introduce himself, but last year um, we met uh, the people from Highland Pellets, and, and uh, they live in northern Minnesota, and the desire to, to site a pellet plant here and things got very exciting. And, and uh, after we uh, let Marty dis- describe the, uh, the, the project, we can talk a little bit about the you know, what our experience was with the legislature last year, um, you know, what happened with the project and, and how we're coming back uh, this time uh, even stronger and, and better. So uh, we got some exciting news here, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Marty Goulet, and he can introduce himself and, and, and talk about right. Marty and the project. Marty, welcome. Well, thanks for having me again, guys. Um, as a reminder, uh, Marty Goulet, I'm... Uh, in International Falls, Minnesota, we have a family business here. It's a third-generation family business. You know, my grandpa started, or my wife's grandpa, I should say, started the business in the 1940s with one of the first pulp loaders in the county. My father-in-law, Dennis Wagner, he cut his teeth in the woods. He, he used to hand-cut a couple thousand cords a year. Um, so sawdust in the DNA of our company. And uh, today, logging is really a small part of what we do. You know, we have construction company that does work all across North America. We're involved in all kinds of businesses. Um, you know, we were in the ethanol business. I sit on a couple boards in Southern Minnesota. Um, you know, for your listeners out there, we have a beautiful distillery and boutique hotel, Shores of Rainy Lake in Minnesota, in Rainier that they should come check out. But um, I'm also the founder of a company, Highland Pellets, that Dave mentioned. We own the third largest wood pellet plant down in uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And, and, I think I mentioned this before, that plant started with us looking at a plant in Minnesota back in 2012. At that time, there was just no way we could pencil out a project. We looked at it every possible way. Um, That early demand when the industry was starting was really going to Europe, and most of that demand was filled by strong fiber baskets in the southeast coastal ocean ports. Um, Okay. And so, you know... um, what these kind of, you know, the rest of the world has really decided that they want to lower their carbon footprint. The way to do that is to replace coal with wood pellets. Um, you know, I listened to your show a couple of weeks ago, just like uh, Pete did on, with Matt Ryland. You guys talked about the the um, the domestic market and the EPA's definition on carbon impact, and and I loved at the end of that how Senator Stauber called in. You know, he's reached out to us and, and you know possibly and to do with with Red show and with Peter you pushing them and Klobuchar's reached out to us and I believe that one day there will be a domestic market um unfortunately it's 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 
still not here right now. You know, and I think you guys have done a good job framing framing the project and, the, and where we're at, but we're at a massively critical point with the forest and timber industry. This is a multi-billion dollar asset that needs to be managed. You know, if this was, if this was Wall Street, I mean, heads would be rolling. So I think it's too late to wait for the domestic market to build out. Um, what we need, and we're asking for a relatively small incentive from the state to make this work, there's precedence, there's a roadmap. If you look at the Minnesota ethanol industry, um, Minnesota had an ethanol production incentive that's 20 cents a gallon. It, it closed in 2000, but look what that did for rural farm communities. Communities, you know, I think the total program costs were around 345 million dollars. I mean, what we're asking is 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 minor compared to that. There's an existing incentive out there. It's for uh, it's the advanced biofuels production incentive. It's two dollars and eleven cents an MMBTU. Um, if if pellets qualified under that program, which um, it's not clear if they do or don't, but that would be a one and a half times what we're asking the state to do. And many other um, incentives out there that that have similar precedents. So, what our solution is is we're asking for a twenty-five dollar metric ton production incentive. Now, remember, we don't receive a penny of that until we invested our money, built this plant, it's producing, and then and then after the fact, we receive a, a credit for that. Uh, we're looking at building so one or two Marty, plants. Marty, explain Sorry. where this $25 per metric ton would come from. Would that come from the harvesting of wood as it goes to other plants or... How would that be collected and then turned into the development of this wood pellet uh, facility? So we w- we would receive an in- incentive for the pellets we produce and then ship. So once we've shipped, okay, them, we would receive a incentive for doing that. Okay, so and would, then you would so use that to help fund the development of the plant and. Yeah, that's right. So so when we looked at this in 2012, it wasn't even wasn't even close to making sense where the markets are today we can we that $25 and sense the investment to do it it the the business would cash flow without it but just not at a, not enough for for the initial investment so we need some help to, well, to incentivize people to do it yeah and, and and I mean, if I look at the industry as a whole, which I have over the years, I've looked at how much is subsidy goes into wind production and into uh, solar production. There's a tremendous amount of subsidies that go in to make those products affordable. Much less uh, is asked by the wood industry, it seems to me, uh, that that you can provide a product here that can be efficient and effective and can work and uh, and and help out with this whole uh, climate industry issue. Um, we have got to take our Fox News break, but uh, maybe when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about some of the markets that might be out there that are looking for your product and what stages your plant is now in the Bemidji area. So let's take our Fox News break, and then we'll come back more with uh, Let the Sawdust Fly here on the uh, last Wednesday of the, actually the last Wednesday of the year. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back. Welcome back, Northlanders, to the strains of Woodchopper's Ball. Pete Woods, you are the host of, of uh, Let the Sawdust Fly here. So uh, why don't you take us into the continuing discussion of yeah. what markets we have out there? Well, well, I, w- I want to stay kind of quiet on this because these guys got so much information I want to get out there, and there's another thing I want to get to is uh, Dave Hingle, if he's there, to talk about why why legislatively wise an average person out there listening why what why is it so needed because marty was talking how they have the investors the money is there to build the plant it's just a little help in another area could you hit on that a little bit for the for listeners yeah i sure can and um, uh, for the listeners uh dave hengel i'm the, the executive director of greater bemidji and i've been doing economic development work for 32 years, and I just want to kind of put a cap on the discussion of the incentives piece because I do think for, for the general public there's this misperception of what incentives are all about, business incentives, and that somehow the government's giving free money all over the place, and that simply isn't the case. Uh, and, and in particular, it isn't the case in this project because if you look at state law when it comes to incentives and economic development, there's it specifically says there's a case there that says you have to meet what's called the but-for test meaning to get any public dollars for a project or a development, it has to uh, show that the project would not have happened or would not happen but for the incentive. And in this case, there is no doubt in my mind, uh, Marty just described to you that there is no way that this project is going to happen. And so as Minnesotans, as all of us in in the form of our state legislature, talk about this, is it important enough to our industry to, to put some public dollars into it for the first time? And it clearly is. I mean, we're talking about an economic impact, and, and Marty described the incentive as, is what, $25 per metric ton. Well, we're going to get $56 million economic activity. We're going to have uh, 245 jobs created as part of this. And the beauty of this project in particular is the residual impact on the rest of the forest industry that we've been talking about, from sawmills down to loggers, and, and even us as public landowners uh, and state landowners and county landowners. And so just realize, you know, this, this project would not happen, will not happen. It's been very clear, and we have to pass that test at the state to make sure it's clear uh, that this project would not happen without that incentive. Sure. Hey Dave, uh, Dave, this is yeah. Brad Bennett. Uh, have you have you had fairly receptive uh, response from state legislators and senators up till this point, or or where does it look like this is heading? You know, I, I think we did. We started getting really strong positive response, in particular from the Senate, and we we're scheduled to get the hearing we needed at the Senate level, and we became a victim, uh, one of many victims of the pandemic in that the legislature essentially shut down and focused on the pandemic uh, for the rest of the yeah. year and many special sessions. We want to pick up where we left off. We, we simply want to keep pushing ahead uh, and, and move forward. But we think there's, a, there's, a, there's an appetite there at the state level. We do need the public support. If you, if you know your legislator, break to them. Send them an email. Talk about North Star Pellets and how important the first industry is to, to, to your area. Well, I think until this morning, even, I'm not sure so many people knew that there were 68,000 jobs that uh, were related to the logging industry in in Minnesota. I mean, when you think about it, that's a city almost the size of Duluth. That's a a heck of a lot of people working in the wood industry and would be a lot more uh, with the addition of this uh, pellet plant. 
And I'll, and I, I'll have one more thing in terms of economic impact that I think people lose sight of. This has, is going to bring in $17 million annually in export revenue. Now, why is that important? It's important because what it does is increases the pie locally. Instead of, you know, all ac- economic activity occurring locally, we're bringing outside dollars to northern Minnesota and into the industry, which is so very important to us. And so there's just so many reasons that this is prime and ripe for, for an incentive uh, that, that, that meets that but-for test. But, but it is so clear to the state, it should be so clear to all of us, that this project simply needs to happen. For the for the sake of the industry and for the sake of our our economy. Yeah, and another thing, folks, listening on this is when they build a plant. When a plants like these are built, these are not poor paying jobs. These are excellent paying jobs because you have to pay the good folks real good money because you're talking about a million, million many millions of dollar plant to keep it running the proper yes. way. So these are oh, yeah. excellent paying jobs. Correct. Now these these markets for this product, gentlemen, they're they're not only here in Minnesota, but they're all over the country and really all over the world, right? I mean, you can ship this product almost any place. Yes, these primarily where this product would be going is Asia. Um, like I said early on, most of the product was going to UK, Germany, the Dutch market, and, and recently Japan, South Korea. China, to some extent, have, have started to really develop big incentive plans. So, okay, this, these, this, what we're talking about here would most likely end up in Asia. Um, as okay. an update to where what's happened since the last time we talked, and from a legislator standpoint, a lot of interest is being generated by legislators. So much so that um, we we brought them up here to Bemidji. We showed them potlatch. We talked about the project and one of the biggest comments was can you build more and and <laughs> that's brought us to um we we purchased a site in grand rapids the old Ainsworth osb plant there as, as oh, another yeah. potential site so we're looking at putting a plant in grand rapids and we're looking at putting a plant in bemidji located next to potlatch um, and, and with that, we've started to explore some different options, particularly out of the Grand Rapids site of, of using the Port of Duluth. And we have an existing customer over in the UK for our plant in Arkansas. And, and so working with the Port of Duluth and with our customer and getting rail quotes and truck quotes, we're kind of forming out another business plan of hitting the European market. And um, the timing on those... So, the Asian market are offering 20-year take-or-pay contracts. So imagine wow. that business model where you know for 20 years exactly what you're going to get paid. Now, the European market has shorter take-or-pays, but it might work out well with the domestic market. So that's some of the the updates since the last time we spoke is, is we're looking at potentially two plants, and we're looking at temp, te, uh, potentially hitting some different markets. Well, you know, Peter Wood, we started this show off today talking about uh, hopefully next year being a, a better year than the one we've had. And in reality, that's really what we need to have here. The, it sounds to me like this pandemic, this COVID-19 pandemic has kind of slowed the whole process down. And once the virus is controlled by vaccines, which we are getting more and more uh, good results on all the time, once that happens the legislature will get back to meeting and hopefully will be 
uh, open and more, um, I, I guess, open-armed about uh, funding a kind of product that can make Minnesota grow. And in turn, think about it, Northlanders. Think about it in the Twin Ports area. Think about how we have seen for years and years and years uh, pellets, iron ore pellets, leaving uh, on ships going all over uh, the country. Think about the expanded market that we would have with wood pellets just going just like that, being shipped out of here all over the world as well. I mean, this this could be a boom industry. That's exactly right, Brad. Just think of the mining pellets. What if you saw pellet piles? Well, they'd have to be kept dry, but what if you could see pellet piles of wood chips all over Duluth as well, and now you got a bigger market that the port, the city of Duluth, the city council members, the mayor, you know, this could be a huge, huge uh, for them as well, the city of Duluth. And so that's why St. Paul needs to know about it, and that's why we timed it for right now, is so that they're going to be going down here, folks, I think next week, and this is an opportunity, hopefully, to start getting their ears perked up, that this is a great positive thing that could happen for the timber industry, and everybody wins because the trees are still going to grow no matter what. No matter what, they're going to still grow. And if we don't yeah. manage them, forest fires come through, just like I've been telling about Colorado came about. What happened? They had massive forest fires, and it's sick. It doesn't have to be that way. And this is another element yeah. of folks willing to come forward. They're willing to invest their own money. He said their own money. They're going to invest their own money and work at it with a lot of people for a win-win situation for the timber industry and good-paying jobs in Minnesota. And it can go over to Wisconsin. Well, I think, uh, oh, yeah. Well, I think all of you listening this morning, if you get a chance, uh, you know, talk to your congressman, talk to your state senator, tell them that this is a real plus for industry in, in Minnesota in general, but in our whole area, and uh, and let them know. Let them know, really, that people like Peter Wood and loggers that you see out in the woods are nothing more than actually wood farmers. They regrow that product that they harvest on a regular basis, but we can harvest that product and ship it all over the world just like we do grain or corn or anything else, and it can help fuel uh, industries. So, Peter Wood, uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank Dave and Pete and Marty for coming back on this morning and bringing us up to date a little bit more on the industry. And I hope we'll have you guys back again very soon. But, uh, boy, let's all look forward to 2021 being the year that maybe we start a new industry here in Minnesota. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, listeners. Thank you.